open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in just a moment in that passage. And uh, I want to thank all of those involved in our worship this morning, uh, our praise team, uh, soloist, um, Cheryl, thank you so much for that wonderful poem. Um, and I can tell you that uh, God is an amazing God who orchestrates all things together for his glory. And uh, that is evidence to me once again this morning um, as we're going to be talking about how to hear the Christmas story, the true story, through the noise. And it's amazing to me how everything that is, we have heard this morning already has helped guide us to that point, um, from Gary's song to Cheryl's poem. And it's just amazing how God, when he wants to teach us something, he gives us so many avenues to hear that lesson and to hear that message. And so I'm excited for that this morning. Um, this season, it, it brings a lot of joy. Amen. Uh, I want someone to tell me, uh, some of you didn't say amen there, so some of you are like, nope, no joy, bah humbug, right? Like you're just that person. Uh, but this season does bring a lot of joy, amen? amen? There we go, we're getting a little bit better. So I want somebody to tell me your most joyful Christmas traditions, as simply as you can, as, as summary as you can, and so a couple of you can't answer because you're like me and you'll just keep talking and talking and talking. So I need just something simple. Like, tell me something that you love that brings you joy when you're doing Christmas stuff. What, what's something that brings you joy? Okay, Christmas videos. Absolutely. Right? What else? Yeah. Do what? The fudge. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Cutting down a Christmas tree. Who else does the whole cut down your own tree, drag it in? Okay. Craziness. Okay. You're all crazy, okay? How many of you have fake trees, like people with good intelligence and common sense? Amen. Amen. Just kidding. Just kidding, okay? No, that's cool, though. Uh, when I was a kid, we always had real trees. And uh, I always loved the three months after Christmas, because what are you doing for three months after a real tree is taken down? Vacuuming up needles, right? And then you think you got them all, and sometime in June, you're walking through your living room barefoot, and a needle nails you in the foot. And you go down in a, in a heap, okay? Give me another one. What's something else we love? Okay, photo Christmas cards. Love that, absolutely. Eggnog, yes. Now, in my family, Sandra's not a big eggnog fan. She likes it okay a little bit. Anthony can't stand it, and Josiah and I are addicted to it, okay? So we just enjoy it. But here's the thing. I didn't know until just so many years ago, there's different types of eggnog, okay? There's like the legit eggnog, okay, like the, the real traditional whatever. Then there's the hollynog. You guys know what this hollynog? Have you heard of this? Okay. I have found that I'm more of a hollynog fan, okay? And I'm saying that in church sounds kind of silly, hollynog. That just doesn't sound like something you should say in church. But anyway, I love that stuff, okay? Yes, very good, very good. Let's get a couple more. Something that brings you great joy at Christmas. Christmas cookies, yes. Okay, what's the best part about Christmas cookies? Cookie dough, right? Like not, not even the cookie. Like sometimes just making a cookie dough, it, it's a meal, okay? But yes, Christmas cookies and the icing, right? And the, the sprinkles, right? The really unhealthy things for you that we love at Christmas time, okay? You ever have your kids when they were younger do their own icing of the sugar cookie, Christmas cookies? How's that turn out? Mm, that's fun. Isn't that fun? Green and red, food coloring everywhere. It's amazing, okay? One more, one more. Joyful thing at Christmas. Frankenmuth, yes. 
We, Sandra and I just had a chance last night, uh, our, us and our boys went over, and uh, many of you know Nathan and Stephanie Raish, they're our Word of Life missionaries. Uh, we met up with them and their family, their, their, their three kids uh, in Frankenmuth, and we walked around, and uh, it was nice and warm. You know, I think it was a, a brisk 24 um, when we were walking around, so that was exciting. Um, when they were like, asking if we wanted to go to Frankenmuth, we were like, sure, and they were like, let's go in the evening so we can see the lights. And my first thought was, you mean when the sun is down? Like, that's what you're saying. So it'll be as cold as possible. Good, good idea. Uh, but no, it was a lot of fun. Love Frankenmuth. Love going up there. It's a lot of fun. Good deal. Good deal. While all that stuff brings us great joy, so many great joyful memories. Um, for us, I, I love one of the traditions that we have that's a lot of fun for us is uh, we'll let the boys open up a uh, new pair of pajamas on Christmas Eve. And they'll get a new pair of pajamas on, and we'll usually have hot chocolate following our Christmas Eve service, and we'll do some fun things like that. Uh, I don't know why that just, I just love that time. I love, and by the way, let me say this, one of the joyful traditions you can start this year, if you haven't already, is be a part of our Christmas Eve service. Um, I've been so encouraged the last five, six years. I've had families come to me and say, just so you know, this is a tradition of ours in our family now. It's something we look forward to every year, celebrating the birth of Christ with our family, our church family at Christmas Eve. And I love coming together for that and all the laughter and the fellowship and just all of that and and the intimate worship of just celebrating that truth and going home and getting a nice hot cup of hot chocolate and those little tiny marshmallows, right? Because those are the best to put in there. Some of you put those like jumbo, like s'more marshmallows in your hot chocolate. I'm more of a little marshmallow person. Get those new, the kids get their new pajamas on and they're so excited to go to bed to wake up the next morning, wake us up early the next morning, okay? I don't know if you're like me. I'm not a very good parent in the morning, okay? My parenting skills improve as the day goes on. So anytime before seven, I'm not a great parent. And so my boys will come in. One year they came in, I think it was like quarter to six. Quarter to six. You're not getting a very Christian Pastor John at quarter to six, okay? Just pray for me on that. Um, and my son came to the door and said, guys, wake up, it's Christmas. I said, no, Christmas doesn't actually start till 7 a.m. So you have to wait. <laughs> 7 a.m. is the official worldwide start of Christmas, okay? It's, I got a memo. It's legit. Okay, North Pole Senate. It's, it's good. Um, but no, there's a lot of great joys we have. But if we're being honest, there's also a lot of noise this time of year. There's a lot of things that pull at us. And, and one of the things that we do a lot of this year is we spend time with family and friends and dinners. And, and like I said, last night, us going to get the Frankenmuth and have time with a family friend. And there's a lot of great things, but it's also a lot of noise and can be a lot of stress. Um, a couple Saturdays ago, uh, Sandra's family, her mom's side of the family, they get together uh, around this time of year and they met together in Port Huron. And uh, this wasn't all of... Sandra's mom, side of the family, some of them are out of state, but a lot of them were there. And it's always a lot of fun to spend time with Sandra's mom, side of the family. They're just an amazing, uh, a lot of them are, are followers of Christ and, and love the Lord and just a great fellowship, lots of laughter. But as uh, Sandra's cousins are getting older, their cousins, her cousins are having children. And now those children are getting to be between ages of three to eight. So we're in this house in Port Huron, not a large house, but not a small one either, just kind of maybe an average size home, a couple different bigger rooms to, to play and run around in. So we've got 12 three to eight-year-olds, so about a dozen three to eight-year-olds running around this house, just having a lot of fun, not counting the 20 or 22 other family members that are all there. 
And so every room had something going on in it. And it was a lot of fun. But if we're being honest, Sandra and I, we got home that day. We spent a lot of time there that day. We drove home. The boys get home. We get them in bed. And we sat down in the living room. And we didn't really have the TV on or anything. We just sat there in the quiet. Those of you that laugh, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And we just, I remember I looked over at her and I said, man, do you hear that? And she said, yeah, nothing. Nothing. And it was amazing. We had so much fun that day, but I want to tell you, sometimes this time of year, it can be a lot of noise. And it's good to just kind of stop and in the quiet, just enjoy that downtime. I can tell you that while it is always awesome seeing family and friends, it is one of those things we need to do is slow down and remember that we have to enjoy every opportunity we have this season. And if we're not careful, we'll let the noise of this, the dinner, the noise of the family get together, the noise of all the season brings. Uh, uh, Cheryl's poem uh, could not have fit on a better time than this morning. Uh, when she told me she wanted to share a poem, she didn't say, say what it was about. And I said, absolutely, I would love that. And as I'm sitting over there listening to this, I thought, Lord, you are so amazing. Because, man, there's a lot of great joy, but there's also some stressors. I want to look at some things surrounding the Christmas story because I truly believe that if we aren't careful, we will miss enjoying the true story of Christmas because of all the noise that accompanies the season. Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. We're going to kind of jump around through chapter 1, so bear with me there. We'll just kind of read some key passages. Obviously, I encourage you this time of year to read through the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, 2, right in there. Um, The whole Gospel is amazing, but those are the kind of the key passages surrounding the birth of Christ, and so I encourage you to check those out. Um, And if you don't have a Bible, let me say this as well real quick. Uh, Please don't ever feel awkward about that. Um, If you're new to church or your first time here or maybe you grew up in church and you kind of walked away from church for a while because people in church aren't always Christian, okay? And somebody, maybe something happened in a church and you got offended. I I get that. So if you don't have a Bible, man, we want to help you with that. If you go to the Welcome Center following service, we'd love to give you a Bible completely free of charge, no DNA check, no background check, no driver's license number, nothing. Credit card, you keep all that in your purse or your wallet. Uh, We want to give you a Bible. Or if you have a device with you, your phone or a tablet, uh, you can go on our app, North Goodland BC, in your app store, and there's a Bible app on there as well. In our app, there is a Bible feature. And so we want to get you into the Word of God. So if you don't have a copy of the Word of God for yourself, please utilize one of those resources this morning. So Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. It says this, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Jump down to verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Man, just praise God for that. Amen. And I'm so thankful that God came to us, Emmanuel. Verse 32, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and uh, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now Mary is considered to be most likely a teenager in this moment, maybe 16, 17 years of age. And to all the women in the church this morning, I want you to imagine you're Mary for a moment. 
And at 17 years old, an angel appears to you and says, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, the one that's been prophesied for thousands of years. He is the son of God, and you're going to deliver him into this world. And you hear all these things that he is going to do. To any woman in the church this morning, I can only imagine what you would be thinking. A fear. Doubts. I know I can only speak for Sandra, and we've had this conversation before, and she has said that one of the things that she would feel is just utter confusion. Like, how in the world can I do this? Like, I'm not able to do this. To any man in the church this morning, you're Joseph, and you find out that you're... Your fiancé is what we'll say in our, in our culture. It's a little different than theirs, but we'll say that. Your soon-to-be wife comes to you and says, I'm pregnant with the Messiah. If you're Joseph, I can only speak for me, I would be overwhelmed. I mean, you're not just talking about raising a son. You're talking about raising the son. Just the weight that these individuals would have felt. Go over to verse 57. Because as all this is happening, we read the rest of the story here. There's Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, also gets pregnant with a son. He's going to be born, and he is John the Baptist, the one that will precede Christ and preach the repentance for the kingdom is near, and is the one that actually baptizes Christ. Look at verse 57 of Luke chapter 1. Now Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And they rejoiced with her. Go to chapter 2 and verse 4. Luke 2 and verse 4. Just a couple more verses, then we're going to kind of break this down a little bit. Luke 2 and verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So I want you to put yourself in this situation, because if we're being honest, in the time leading up to the birth of Christ, there was so much happening in and around Mary's life. There was a lot of commotion every day there was something. Even Mary and Joseph having to travel to Bethlehem before she gives birth is crazy. Again, women, ladies in the church that have had a child, how would you feel as you are right about eight and a half, nine months pregnant, just a few weeks away? Your husband says, hey, we gotta, we gotta travel down to Bethlehem. Here, why don't you ride on this donkey and I'll walk uh, that's not a fun trip. I don't know about you, but I think Sandra would be like, look, buddy, you can do whatever you want, but if there ain't a cushion on that donkey, I'm not getting on it, you know? Could you imagine that? That close to giving birth, and, and you travel this long distance. The discomforts, the inconvenience. When Jesus is born, there is a commotion with the shepherds coming, which we will get to soon enough in the story. All this going on around her. By the way, you're Mary and you have, you have a cousin, Elizabeth, who gets pregnant and has a child and all the family and all the neighbors and all the community rejoice with her and they look at you and think, what's wrong with her? I mean, look at Elizabeth. We're praising and we're rejoicing. When Jesus is born, where's Mary's family? Where's her cousins? Where's her neighbors? They're in a manger or in a... In a 
in a, around a manger because there was no room at the end. They were, they were just in this dank, dark place. Her and Joseph, some shepherds, no family, no friends, no celebration. Many believe that Mary's own community would have completely disavowed any relationship with her. Her own family would have had a hard time accepting this as truth, that she was giving birth to the Son of God. Many assume she was just an adulteress, committed adultery. Secular scholars say that she was taken advantage of by Roman guards, and they came up with this whole story to cover it up. I mean, just the community as a whole wanted nothing to do with them. Joseph most likely is being laughed at for being taken advantage of. And the fact that he has not divorced Mary or had her killed for her sin, it just shows that he is just weak and he's not very godly because he's not doing what God commands. Could you imagine all of this chaos, all this noise, and then Jesus comes? The first Christmas story had nothing to do with a silent night. I know what we mean when we sing that, but really it was a night of commotion and chaos. The point of the true story of Christmas, the first Christmas, was anything but a silent night. So how do we hear the true story of Christmas through the noise of the season? We too, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, are surrounded with commotion and chaos and noise and all these stressors. So how do we stay focused? How do we hear the true story of Christmas through the noise? The stresses and noises that plague people this time of year are rooted in three basic sources. Three basic sources drive our stresses this time of year. Number one, time. Time. Getting everything done. Number two, money. Getting everything done and then paying for it. I hear some moans. I hear some groans. I understand. We're all on the same page. And then finally, emotions. Sometimes painful memories that resurface and family conflicts come to bear. To illustrate this, I want to share a list of things that can go wrong at Christmas. I found this list of 10 noises or stresses and thought it fit perfectly. So I want to share this with us this morning. The title of this is Murphy's Special Laws for the Holidays. Many of you heard of Murphy's Law. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. This is Murphy's Special Laws for the Holidays. Number one, the time it takes to find a parking place is inversely proportional to the amount of time you have to spend. Some of you have no idea. You're like, what? Basically, if you have little time, you're rushing to get that spot and you're not going to find it. That's the idea. Number two, the other line always moves faster. And if you don't believe it, change lines and sees, see what happens. The other line always moves faster. And if you don't believe it, change lines and see what happens. Number three of the Murphy's special laws. Unassembled toys take three times as long to put together than you planned because the guy who wrote the instructions speaks three languages, English not being one of them. And there is always a pile of nuts, bolts, and washers left over. Every man in the room knows what you tell your wife when that happens. Oh, no, those aren't important. Those are extras. Those are extra pieces, honey. Number four, when you return to the store to buy the gift that your husband, wife, or child showed you the previous day, it's gone, and there's no more in stock. Number five, the star singer in the Christmas musical comes down with laryngitis the day before 
the performance. Not to freak Sandra out or anything. Just that happens. Number six, if you get something in the mail that looks like a fruitcake, chances are it is. I recommend that you repackage it and mail it to your favorite politician. Number six. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was number six. Number seven. Someone always forgets the rolls in the oven at Christmas dinner. See, there's the one who laughed knows. There was two people, I think, that laughed, and they were just like, hmm, yep, been there. Number eight. If you hear a loud crashing noise, your Christmas tree is probably laying in a prone position. <laughs> number nine. I just had the image of the movie Elf where he leaps across and grabs the tree and then the whole... Anyway. Number nine. If the toilet is going to break or the sink plug up, it will always happen while everyone is at your house celebrating. Number ten. Final Murphy's Law of Christmas stressors. Finally, if Clarence the Angel from the movie It's a Wonderful Life shows up, you're in for an interesting day. You're in for an interesting day. Many of these things. Now, again, I don't know about you, but there's many things on this list that stress us out, that cause us frustration. And while we laugh at these 10 things and maybe have experienced some of them, hopefully not have seen the guy from It's a Wonderful Life. That's a little too far. Hopefully you've never been there. But some other noises, if you've seen these things in this season, if you've felt the weight of these things, if you've found yourself stressed this holiday season, I want to encourage you not only to acknowledge the noise, but to adapt your perspective. To adapt your perspective. Yes, things can go crazy during this time of year, but you can choose to adapt your vision or perspective. Make it a point to focus on the blessings and praises for this season. Look beyond yourself and serve those in need, and you will find a different perspective. If you really want to change your world, allow others into it. What I mean is, while you open up your eyes to those around you in need, small or great, it will adjust how you see your life or your stresses or your situation. Now, if you're here and if you're in need, let me just be kind of frank for a moment here. If you're, if you're here and you're in need, maybe you're sitting there and thinking, I would love to help someone else, but I have some needs. I have some things that I need to have fulfilled. I don't know that I could even do anything for anyone else because of where I am. Then here's what I want to tell you. When we close our service today, we always have a time of invitation. And we allow you to come forward and to bend a knee and to pray and to ask God to work in whatever situation is going on in your life. We'll have a couple individuals in the very front row. Here's what I challenge you to do. Because our church doesn't want to let you leave this building without finding out your need and if there's anything we do about that. And so if you're there this morning and you have a need, whether in your home, with, with your children, maybe there's something financially going on, maybe there's something we can help with in some way, then one of the things we need to know is what is the need? See, it's so hard to help if we don't know what's going on. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. As you're going through the rest of the message this morning, if you're sitting there thinking, but I have some needs, I have some things that need to be fulfilled and some, some holes that need to be filled, maybe you would come this morning and you would talk to someone in the front row here when that time comes for the invitation and just this is my need. I don't know that you guys can do anything about it, but this is where I'm at. And I know to say that, you think, some of you are thinking, man, but that, wouldn't that be really embarrassing? to have to come forward. Let me tell you something. You should never be embarrassed that this church should be here for you. And if you have a need this Christmas season, we want to help you. Please don't be embarrassed by that. Come and talk to somebody and let us know because if you have a need, we want to help you. 
We want to be there for you. I was so encouraged this last week. Somebody talked to Sandra and said that they had come in contact through just a chain of events, somebody outside of our church that had some needs this holiday season, had literally next to nothing, no dishes, uh, sleeping on sleeping bags, just some crazy stuff going on in this family's home. And this person reached out to some people in the church and just through Facebook and said, hey, if anybody can do anything, would you just let me know? And you know, it was amazing. Wednesday night I showed up to church. And it's so crazy. We had extra dishes in our basement. Like we had boxes of extra plates and bowls and cups and things in our basement. Been sitting there for years. And we just looked at us and said, we got extra dishes and this person has nothing. We could throw some dishes in a box and they're, they're nice. They're, new. they're basically new dishes we never used. We'll bring them in. And I come in and right inside the doorway, there's three bags of like clothes and things like this that some other family brought to this person and said, hey, give this to that person that you know. I mean, just people all over the place were bringing things in. And that is what gets me so excited about being the church, about reaching into people's lives and saying, hey, here's what I can do. It's not much. It's just some plates. But here, it's all I have. Take it. Use it. See, it's not always financial. It's not always written or a check, and that solves it. Sometimes it is financial, but sometimes it's just saying, hey, can I, can I make you a dinner? Can I do something for you that way? So if you have a need this Christmas season, do not sit there and think, no one cares. We care. We want to help. But the reality is we have to know there's a need. And so would you, maybe, that would be you. Again, maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're like, that's not me. Uh, We have all of our needs met and above and beyond, and we're so blessed and we're praising God for it, then maybe you would say, God, open a door for me to go beyond myself and to help someone else so that my perspective will change. A way that we can adapt our perspective on this season and silence the noises around us is to follow Mary's example in all the chaos. To follow Mary's example in all the noise. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Luke chapter 2 and verse 19. All these things are going on. All the chaos before, all the chaos during. The shepherds have come. This crazy time. Look at verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The first thing we do to change our perspective, not just looking beyond us to those in need, but we take time to be silent in the noise. In the midst of all the Christmas noise, Mary pondered these things in her heart. The word pondered means to bring together in one's mind, confer with oneself. Mary, I'm sure, felt overwhelmed at times, just like it was just too much to handle. However, she, in a moment of silence, brought together all the thoughts in her mind and dwelled on them. Just dwelt on them. She conferred with herself. She brought all these different thoughts together. She focused on the true story of Christmas, maybe even going back to the message from the angel. She heard the story through the noise as she was still and silent before the Lord. Could you imagine sitting there and Mary's holding the newborn Christ and she goes back to all those months ago when Gabriel appeared and told her this message. And all this chaos was going on around her. Uh, There was questions, I'm sure, swarming. And she just conferred with herself. She, in her own mind, in the silence, just dwelt on those things. And it brought peace and comfort. This idea of being silent and still before the Lord is not just a good practice during the holidays. See, again, just like going beyond yourself is more evident in the holiday season, it's not only for the holiday season. Amen? 
Isn't it amazing? Every time of the year, we as the church, we are driven to go beyond ourselves, to look in the needs of others, to think of others before ourselves, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That word mind in the original Greek means attitude. So what was Paul saying? He says, let this attitude be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to talk about how Christ surrendered all, sacrificed everything for our good, to bless us, to die for us. That he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant. And Paul says, let this very same attitude, the same way of thinking be in you. See, it's not just a Christmas thing. It's a life thing for a follower of Christ. We look beyond ourselves. We serve those in need. But also, as we do that, one of the other practices that Christians need to adapt and need to live is being still and silent before the Lord every day, spending time before him. I love what Psalm 46.10 tells us. Popular verse. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. We are consumed with noise all around us. And the cure is momentary and timely silence before God. All the noise. Listen, it's not just Christmas, but man, it's heightened a little bit this time of year. But every time of the year, you ever meet somebody that you try to get together with them and it's, all they say is, well, when things calm down. You ever, you ever have that conversation? Well, when things just, when we get past this and this, and then there's this, and then things will calm down and we'll be good. So you wait till those things are done. You go talk to them. What do they say? Man, I just can't believe it. Well, we got this going on, this going on. Some of you are that person and some of you have had conversations with that person. We're all busy. But sometimes in the busyness of life, we have to stop, step back, and just be still. Not just for your own Christian walk, but for your health. I truly believe that God did not wire us to run as hard as we're running these days. I truly believe God put that in Scripture, the idea of a day of rest, not just to honor Him, but to bless us. And nowadays, man, you tell people to take a day of rest, they look at you like you're crazy. What, how am I going to get this done and that done and this done? I got this and this and this and this and this. You ever talk to somebody and you get stressed out just talking to them about what they're going through? Like you hear their schedule and you're like, stop it. You're giving me a migraine. Like I can't even handle that. We have to slow down. The cure for the noise is momentary and timely silence before the Lord. Take time to be silent in the noise as Mary did. But another way we change our perspective is don't get too busy to be still and present with others. We need to be still before the Lord, but also present with others. One of the dangers of the noise is that it rushes us. It makes us believe we just don't have time to sit and enjoy that time with family and friends. I just don't have time to sit and really enjoy this. I'm always thinking, what's next? What's next? What do we got to do after this? What's next? What's next? Some of us are really good at sitting there physically. You're physically at the table, but mentally you're a million miles away. You're there, but you're not present. And so what happens is even a time that should bring joy brings stress because we're spending the time we should be enjoying with family and we're thinking about 10 other things on our list. We're there, but we're not present. When you are at that dinner, be in every sense at that dinner. I'm telling you, it will change your perspective. 
Don't let your mind wander to the next thing. Just enjoy the moment you are in. This Christmas, take time to just be still and remind yourself of the true story of Christmas. It will put, or as you put this into practice, you will notice things in your life begin to change. The noise will remain the same, but through it you will hear the story and the heart of God's love. I want to encourage you this morning. Are you letting the noise win? Now let me, let me kind of go on a tangent for a second here because I think sometimes we think noise is just the stress of the shopping and the deals and the dinners and the cleaning the house and all this. But some of you in this room have other stressors this time of year. Some of you in this room have lost a loved one. Some of you have lost a husband or a wife, a child, a mom or a dad. And for you, this season, while it's full of joy, the stressors have nothing to do with scheduling. The stressor has nothing to do with finances. The stressor has nothing to do with dinners or or cleaning the house. It has everything to do with the emotional side of these things. You just genuinely miss that person in your life. You miss your mom or dad. You miss that child. You miss your spouse. And let me encourage you with this. As you are going through this season, it is difficult. I'm not going to tell you it's, it's easy. I'm not even going to tell you it's going to get easier because that sets up a false narrative that you're expecting it to get easier and it may not get easier for you for some time. I don't know. For some, maybe it will. For some, maybe it won't. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to guarantee you that. But I will tell you this. If you trust in the Lord and you look to him in all these things and you, you abide with him and you're spending time with him and when you're weeping, weep with him because he's weeping with you. And when you're broken, be broken with him because he's broken with you. Don't worry about what other people think. One of, the, one of the things you hear a lot when people tell, are going through some of this, people tell them, just get over it. Just get over it. Come on, get over it. It's been X number of years. You should be over this by now. I understand families tell people that and, and friends tell people that with great love and intention of helping, but sometimes you're doing such damage. I can't tell anyone to get over something. That's not my call. But I can tell you that as long as you're working it out, God will be there with you. And so if you're here and you've lost someone and this time of year brings up these memories, every Christmas I think about my mom, passed away in 2007, suddenly from uh, just health issues, a, a heart attack on top of some other things. She, was, she passed away about nine days after my oldest son was born. Every Christmas, I think about the fact that Josiah has never met her, has never seen her. She's never held him. We don't get to exchange gifts anymore. And it's been 11 years this last July. And now, am I struggling with it and battling with it as I did in 2008 and 2009? No. Has it gotten easier for me? Yes. But I can tell you, I've never let it go. I don't know that I've ever gotten over it. We sit sometimes and just talk about some of the things, some of the memories. And just last night, I, I told a story of something that my mom said to Sandra. And I won't tell the story because she's heard the story enough. I'll just let it go there. But it's a great story. It involves a fortune cookie and a Chinese restaurant. So we'll just leave that there. 
Some of you knew my mom, uh, you know, well. The last couple of years that she was alive, she lived up in this area. And every time I tell a story or think about her, it comes back. Christmas morning, we'll open gifts, and it'll hit me at some point, And I'll think, man, I kind of I miss her being here. But do I, do I, like, long and wish she would come back? No, because I know that she knew the Lord. I have a confidence that she is walking in his presence this morning. She's with him. She's at peace and rest and joy that I can't even fathom. So listen, this time of year brings a lot of that stuff to the surface for us. Some of you, it's different. Some of you, it's a spouse. And you just, you're not sure you'll ever get over it. Don't walk out of here this morning saying, all right, I just need to change my perspective and just get over it. No, you need to come and say, Lord, I want to grow through this. Lord, I want you to take this grief. I want you to take this from me because I don't want to lose this season of celebration in this, but I want to also acknowledge, Lord, that this is tough. Lord, this is hard. This is difficult, and I need you. And so I don't have any magic words. I don't have any, any solution other than trust Christ. Lay it at his feet. Ask him to lift your burden and your weight, and he will walk with you. And I can't guarantee you, again, how long it's going to take, but I can guarantee you this. He has never forsaken you. If you are in Christ, if you know him as your Savior, he has never forgotten you. He has never left you. He is with you. And every hurt you feel, he feels it with you because he's right there with you. And so I want to encourage you this morning. In just a moment, we're going to come and pray. And maybe you want to come and pray and say, God, I need you to lift this because this is what I'm going through. God, I need you to change my perspective on this because I'm feeling stressed. If you are feeling overwhelmed by the noise of the season, maybe you are battling with emotional hurt. Maybe you're battling with just everyday stress. If you're trying to be present and it seems like time is just flying by, others are just flying through in and out, I want to encourage you, don't let others getting caught up in the noise trick you into believing that's how you got to live. This week, this season, the next time you're at a dinner, just be in the dinner. And I really hope you guys get what I'm saying by this. Just be there. Be present. The greatest gift you can give someone is just you being present emotionally and mentally and physically. That's greater than any gift you can buy on Black Friday. And so however God is speaking to you, I want to give us a little, a little bit extra time this morning to pray, to seek him, because I do believe that this is something that's going to weigh at all of us at different times this season. And so maybe you'd come and pray and say, God, I want to be present this season. I want to enjoy every moment. I want to see you and everything. I want to enjoy the celebration that is the birth of Christ. I'm not going to let the noise overwhelm me. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to get still, and I'm going to trust. I'm going to learn from Mary's example. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him this morning? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer as we're going to open up a time of invitation? Our praise band is going to come and sing a song of invitation for us. And as they do, I'm going to ask that you would just be praying right there where you are with your heads bowed. And I don't know how God is speaking to you. I don't know what God is encouraging you with. Let me first and foremost say this with your heads bowed. If there's anyone here this morning that does not know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you've never personally repented of your sins, believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, 
was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose again. Sitting there this morning, and maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you're really, really religious. You try to do good things, and you try to be a good person, and you try to do the right thing. You know in your hearts. You know that you don't know Christ. You've never personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never personally repented of your sins and trusted in Him. Even though you're religious, you go to church, you do all those good things, you don't know Christ. Let me tell you, from the Word of God, the Bible says that the only way to be saved, the only way to be forgiven of sins, is to trust Christ as your Savior, to repent of your sin, to believe to surrender, just to give him your life and say, Lord, I'm yours. So if you're here this morning and you've never done that, maybe this morning you would make that decision to trust Christ. If you're here and you're a visitor this morning, maybe you came with someone and and you don't know Christ, maybe you'd ask the person that brought you, hey, can you tell me more about this? Can you share with me what he was talking about, how I can know Christ? And if you're here and you've received Christ and you know what that relationship is and you know that your sins are forgiven and you are set for eternity to spend eternity with him in his heaven. But let me encourage you as well, if you know Christ and you're stressing out, you're feeling the weight, you're hearing the noise, maybe you would come and pray and say, God, would you just give me the right perspective to not miss the season, but to be present and enjoy every moment that I get to spend with family and friends and celebration and thank you for your birth. Maybe you would come and pray something like that. Maybe you would come again. If you're here in need, please let us come alongside you. Maybe you want to talk to somebody in the front here who's going to be ready to pray with you. Maybe you want to talk to somebody after the service. If you don't want to come forward, that's totally fine. I get that. But maybe you'd come and see me after service and just say, hey, this is what's going on. I would love to pray with you and see what we can do to help with that. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him? Heavenly Father, bless now this time. We need you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for coming 2,000 years ago and being born of a virgin. Lord, this season gets so chaotic. It can be so stressful. But I pray that we would not allow the noise to overwhelm us, but to be present in every moment so that we're able to share your love and your grace with those that we meet. Thank you, Father, for all of this. Bless now this time of invitation. Open our hearts and minds. May we respond to you and you alone. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As the praise band leads us, would you respond this morning? Would you come and pray? Bend a knee. They want to pray with someone. There's those in the front here that love to pray with you. Maybe you want to come and pray as a mom and dad, a husband and wife. However it is that God is leading, would you respond this morning?